Welcome back. It's time to buckle up for a new episode of Raise Nation Radio, the one and only podcast made to inspire fundraisers like you to continue making impact in our communities, building better tomorrows and exchanging ideas. So whether you're a trailblazer or seasoned pro, you'll pick up the trends that transform your fundraising. And together, we'll dive into lively conversations and we'll chat with industry-leading fundraisers and thought leaders to explore hot-button issues and innovative ideas. So stay with us for the next 30 minutes while we inspire you to embrace the future of fundraising. Well, welcome back, everyone. If you're new to the show, we're so happy to have you here. We stream on 10 channels and we're on demand at onecause.com. If you've been with us before, I hope you're checking out all of our episodes. We are hitting that 60th episode mark, and we're super excited to bring this voice to uh, fundraising. We have a very interesting um, topic today to cover and an expert in that topic, I might add. You know, we're meeting donors every day where they are, and it's no longer cash and check. It's stock, it's crypto, it's all, all kinds of things. There's just new frontiers. Well, another way to meet a donor where they are, to speak to them, and to help them make that donation, to convert them and um, help them save on some tax implications and have their donation be smart and make more sense. And oh gosh, a lot of things that I probably should stop talking about because I'm not the expert, but my guest is. Please welcome to Raise Nation Radio, John Bromley, who's the founder and CEO of Charitable Impact. John, welcome to the show. You're going to be talking to us about donor-advised funds. We're so happy to have you. How are you doing today? I'm very well. Thanks for having me, Don. Well, it's great to have you here because I personally need to learn more as I try to give that intro. I'm like, I don't know what I'm talking about. So hopefully I'm going to take notes and learn a lot today myself. But why don't we first let our audience get to know you a little bit better? Can you just Introduce yourself, tell us a little bit about you personally, professionally, how you founded your um, company, where you're based out of, because we've gone outside of the United States with some of our guests, which is super exciting. Give us all the 411. Okay, well, thanks again, Don, for having me. Really happy to be here. Um, yeah, so I'm, I'm, I'm John Bromley. I'm from Canada, and I'm a Canadian Yay! who doesn't who doesn't yeah. play hockey. So that's weird. Oh, you're out. One. Okay. Uh, and I guess, you know, weirdness number two, if we, if we're on this trend is um, I'm someone with a really sort of heavy background fa- focused on, you know, banking and, 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 and corporate finance and, and finance. And yet I now spend all of my time in around the charity sector. So instead of being a banker today, I consider myself a, a charity banker. Um, my, uh, you know, my, my interest in fluency, uh, in, in charity comes from two places. I mean, of related places, first of all, you know, I grew up in a family that totally valued charitable giving, you know, my parents oh. uh, modeled it for us. They almost forced us to practice it, right. They used to give us money that we had to give away. Uh, and it was just an important part of our good parents. Those are good parents out there. What, what are your parents' first names? Blake and Marion. Blake and Marion. Okay. Whether they're with us in this physical world or not, Blake and Marion, good job. Yeah. Well, so yeah, thanks. And so the culture, you know, of growing up was really one of volunteerism and, 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 and giving. I mean, it's not all we did. It's, it's just a, it was just a part of, of who we were. Um, and then also my, my, my father, that's, that's the Blake. 
uh, he was, um, you know, he's actually recently retired, still with us today, uh, recently retired, um, but he was uh, and, and is one of the arguably the two pioneers of charity law and sort of things oh. like gift planning in, in Canada. And so um, I guess by luck or by fluke of birthright, you know, I got birthed into this family that valued. You inherited it all. And, yeah. And, and yet was very also heavily, heavily professionally involved. So, you know, I owe my, my fluency and my literacy in the space uh, very much uh, to, to, to my, my parents. Wow. I love the fact that that was your culture, you know, growing up. I think so too often we forget and it's so easy to get caught up in day-to-day life and commercialism of even holidays and giving season. And um, so it's nice to see that, um, you know, you took your, your, your childhood, your family, your values, and and now you're parlaying, parlaying that into your professional life. So tell us a little bit about that now. Well, so you know, when I started working in the in the in the charity sector, probably I, I'm 44. So probably, uh, you know, 15 year, 15, 16, 17 years ago. And time flies. OK, even in Canada. Right. Uh, <laughs> time, time is the same in the United States and in Canada. Good to know. <laughs> no. OK, so so, you know, when I started, I really focused on I was working closely with my with my dad. And so, you know, we had two sort of general topics that clients would come to us on, they'd they'd either be what I refer to as charity entrepreneurs, people who have charity projects in mind that they want to get done. Uh, They're really, you know, focused on ocean plastic, for example, or relieving poverty or advancing education. They'd come to us and say, this is what I want to get done. You know, what kind of structures do I need to to put in place? And so we would help them uh, sort of really specialize in structuring them early and getting them started, right? So kind of like a we didn't call it this, but kind of like a startup incubator, but for but for charity entrepreneurs, people actually did the charity work on the ground. The other type of client that we really focused on were the donors, right? And you know, because we we're trying to make a living at it, you know, you're not just you're not really dealing with the fifty dollar a month donor, the everyday donor. You're dealing with the larger donors who are looking for planned, you know, giving, you know, tax driven advice, structurally driven advice. And we did a lot of work there. And what that taught me was it gave me a breadth of both the donor side, you know, problems and opportunities uh, while making sure that we're always, you know, got our focus on making sure that once the money is given and allocated to a charity, well, that those charities are well structured to, to, to carry out the, the work they do effectively. So donor advised funds, we're, we're going to get to that in just a minute, but let's just talk about the, any differences between the Canadian and the U S markets, are there differences or does it, uh, will, will, will it all apply? Uh, it'll generally all apply. The, the differences between the Canadian and the U S market are quite uh, nuanced uh, and for engaged donors, it doesn't actually, there's are no differences. The reason I say that is the one major difference uh, that's talked about a lot is that uh, a public, it's usually a public foundation, a public charity that carries out a donor advised fund in Canada. We have a disbursement quota on all charities, uh, including public foundations, which is three and a half percent. Uh, moving actually to 5% uh, January 1st, 2022, um, and in Canada, that number doesn't include administration work. In the United States, uh, your disbursement quota <clears throat> does include some administration work, um, but it doesn't apply to public charities. And so sometimes, you know, donor advised funds are accused of, and rightfully so, of sort of, quote, hoarding 
money. And, you know, one of the structural reasons they can do that more easily, not that they intend to necessarily, but one of the reasons they can do it more structurally is because they're not forced by law to make sure money's moving out of the system. In Canada, uh, there are regulations on all charities to ensure that money once given does get allocated uh, down to operating charities who who use it for charitable activity. And uh, I would say that that's the major difference worth pointing out. Okay. Got it. All right. I won't comment on a little tech, which I like better, but okay. Yeah. I got, I got it's it. A little bit in the weeds here. To get <laughs> That's okay. I wanted to make sure because we do have, you know, audience base from many different areas and I wanted to make that, that distinction. So let's, let's move on to the nitty gritty. Let's start at the very basic. What is a donor advised fund? Would you mind? Yeah, well, the way I like to talk about a donor advised fund is to think about it like a bank account, but just for charitable giving. Okay. Okay. So what does your bank account do? It allows you to sort of receive money from, you know, you know, a paycheck or someone who's giving you money back or giving you money for your birthday or whatever, and hold it in a space that's secure, you know, has tools to administrate. And then you can go and spend it later on what you want to spend it on. And one of the theories behind the bank account is that it helps our financial literacy. It helps us spend better because we can separate the money that comes into it from how we want to spend it. And that's a really useful tool for a donor also, right? So, you know, let's, it allows the donor fundamentally, the value proposition behind the donor advised fund fundamentally is that it allows the donor to separate the money they give away, the donations they make in return for the tax receipt, right? From the choices they make about how to best spend that money to create impact, and if there was only one charity in the United States, where I know there's about a million and a half in Canada, <laughs> there's about 86,000 charities. If there was only one charity, you wouldn't need a donor advised fund because everyone would just send the money there and you'd be done. But okay. in a world where there's a ton of different choice and in a world where we as donors um, you know, want to make that choice. Yeah, want to make that choice, but are also impacted by something that's going to happen tomorrow in our life that we don't know yet. Right. Mm-hmm. Or news something personal or not, and that can shift how we allocate or spend our charitable dollars, the donor advised fund gives the donor the tool to help them better manage their charitable giving. And over time, my view is it actually makes them a better and more thoughtful and intentional donor. And when that comes together, you have a little bit more joy. And when you have joy, you have more dedication, and then you have a better, more sustained giving environment for the entire sector. Okay. All right. Take me on this journey. I have a bunch of, bunch of questions. I'm trying to figure out where to start here. So I have I, I, I have my household income. I earmark my my bills and my play and my mortgage and you know all of those different things. Maybe something that I'm saving for new car, and then I allocate for my my charitable giving. <laughs> I want to do that for a number of reasons because. It's good to pay it forward, give back. We, we all have responsibility to build better tomorrows, right? We all need to do our share. So that's number one. But number two, I also have a little bit of a tax benefit when I do that. Why would a donor want to not want to just manage their own money and have you know different segments or budgets or an Excel spreadsheet? Why do they want to actually move that money into a different bank account called a donor advised fund. What, what's the reason or purpose for them to do that? Does that make sense, that question? 
Yeah, it's a great question. And look, I love the way you framed it. It's so awesome, right? Because life is life and we all have, you know, bills to pay and we all want to put some money aside to budget for vacations and we we might have to pay our mortgage. You know, we 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 want to save for the future. Maybe we're trying to save for, you know, our, our if you have kids to 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 go to college or oh. I got two of them. Yep, I know. Right? Okay. <laughs> Darn kids. They're not as cheap as they used to be. Yet. No, they are not. I've got two kids myself. Uh and so, mine are in college. So you're hitting oh, you're hitting the you're hitting the, okay. the sweet spot for me. <laughs> okay. So for example, you know, you might want to start saving for college, you know, before you know what college they're going to go to and how much it's going to cost and whether or not they're going to have a scholarship and and everything else. But the purpose is that you're putting money aside and you're kind of being focused on, you know, having a portion of a budget, which is for something that, you know, you want it to be spent on in this case, college, but in the context of donor advice funds, charitable giving. Right. And so, you know, go nuts and use your spreadsheet if you want to. But in 2022, in a world like with charitable impact, where you can go and sign up for a donor advised fund in about two minutes, right? Yeah, and, that's and, easy. And, and st- you know, start a, a giving account that you can, for example, make a recurring monthly donation into, right? Let's call it hundred bucks if that's your budget. And then just be in the game and committed to giving. Now, you know, your hundred dollars is going every month in this, this, this donation account that you can come back to, you know, you're getting the tax receipt and just like having a bank account, that's just for charitable giving, you go in there and you go, okay, now I got 300 bucks in there. I really want to help this cause in my local area. I've done my research. I've talked to my friends. I've even called the charity maybe and talked to them, you know, about their programming and I'm going to send them 200 bucks. And I'm going to keep a hundred, you know, for, for something else I might want to do later. So really the reason why you want to do it is because it allows you to be in the charity game, actively committed towards a charitable budget that you're working towards while still retaining the ability to sort of go, you know what, I'm not going to send the money to the charity this month because I'm not quite sure what I want to do. I want to do something, for example, now with these floods in Pakistan, they're incredible floods, but who are you going to give the money to to help? Okay, well, I know I want to put 500 bucks towards that. I'm going to take some time and do my research. And so by the time I get to the actual charity or charities that I think are best to help in Pakistan, I'm going to have confidence in knowing that I've made a good decision. So compare and contrast that, for example, to just, you know, being asked in the moment, you know, by by a charity that's come to you and said, hey, give right now to Pakistan. So the difference is in one case, you you have money set aside and it's sort of, you know, you're, you've budgeted and you've thought about it in advance and now you can allocate it to that charity if you want. The other one is a, you can be proactive about it. The other one risks being a little bit reactive. So it also maybe lets you do something a little bit. I'm so sorry, but I'm I'm having all these thoughts. I didn't mean to interrupt you, but it also allows you to maybe do a little bit more because your, your, your alignment to missions change all the time. I know mine do. Um, You know, I I have a a neighbor that I grew up with um, and um, their father is suffering from Alzheimer's and I I, want to help. I want to do something, but I don't know how much I spent this year in charitable giving. I don't have that top of mind. And, And when somebody asks you on the spot, you don't necessarily know, as much as you can do. And you might feel it in that moment when 
you know, you just paid your your mortgage or your college tuition or or you paid bills and you're feeling, oh, God, I don't know that I can do it right now. Whereas you almost don't feel it. It's like, you know what? I got this. I, I got this. I, I, I can help my neighbor. I could stay with the things that I'm aligned with. I could help the people in Ukraine with the war or God forbid right now um, in our, in the United States, Florida is um, facing some hurricanes who knows what, what's going to be needed there. I have it. I got it. I, I can do what I truly want to do to better the communities. So that's, that's really a, a, a huge power behind it, behind giving. That, that's, that's exactly right. So again, you can use an Excel spreadsheet and do all the work yourself or you know, again, like with it's 2022, Charitable Impact is a fully web-based, you know, system. You can start it quickly. You can load it in quickly. And then you have all access to the data, right? Oh, gee, how much have I given away this year? Oh, okay, no, I can't give much more. But luckily, I've got $400 still in my account or $4,000 or $4 million, whatever amount it is for you. And, and I am going to do a little bit for Florida. And I'm going to do something for my friend who's, who's, whose father is suffering for, from Alzheimer's. Yeah. So it's that easy. So, so take us through the process, take, take our audience and our donors through the process. First of all, where do we go? How, how do we access your? Well, so, so, so charitable impact is in Canada, but the United States has a number of very, very strong donor advice funds where, where, so I can't, unfortunately, I can't tell you to come to charitable impact, but what I can tell you is that we're, you know, generally speaking, where to find donor advice funds in the United States, some financial institutions have them. So if you're someone who really likes the, the culture and dealing with your financial institution, check out to see whether or not the financial institution you work with has a donor advice fund. Okay. The other really important place to look is, is in your community foundation world, right? Are there community foundations in your area and do they run a donor advice fund? Um, you know, so that culture will be very different from the culture at the bank. The third thing, which is what's analogous to charitable impact in Canada is there are increasingly more and more independent donor advice funds who just, who just exist for the purpose of, of providing donor advice funds to people, regardless of where they bank and regardless of what community they live in. And that's the third place, third place to look. So you we do aspire to come down and hang out with you guys in, in the United States. One yeah, I was just going to say that back. because, we're not, you know, you, you said two minutes and, and the idea of just, you know, going to a website and two minutes later, I could be in a place of giving and smart giving and having all my dashboards. That sounded really attractive. It's like you dangled the carrot here. But um, but I, we do appreciate um, certainly, you know, the, the the advice and guidance. But let's get back to your organization. You do provide services where we could stop and start the giving and hold the money for how long and give, give, you know, different amounts. And all of that is available in a donor advised fund. Is that right? Yeah. All of that is available. Um, and, and so, you know, at charitable, so flexible. Impact, one of the things we believe in is that like <clears throat> everyone can be a donor, right. And of course you can give money and you can give time. But with regard to money, you know, if you got 10 bucks a month to give away and that's your commitment, you know, you're welcome. We, we want to invite you into the process. So we have people that, you know, we, we refer to as sort of everyday donors who give relatively small amounts, uh, you know, but, you know, and consistently and, and use, you know, their bank account uh, for charity, you know, to, to take care of their giving. On, on, on the other hand, you know, uh, the largest donor advice fund we have is 
nearing $100 million worth of value, right? And in that sort of larger donor advised fund, you've got more things going on. You've got investments in publicly traded securities, could oh. be private company shares, right? Um, so, so, so a donor advised fund in the modern world, you know, is really good at what's referred to as gift acceptance, accepting donations, regardless of what it looks like, as long as it's legal and compliant, right? So if you come to charitable impact and you want to give cryptocurrency, no problem. If you want to give publicly traded securities, no problem. You want to give private company shares, no problem. You want to give cash on a credit card or directly out of your bank account, or if you want to even write one of those old school checks because you feel great, no problem, right? Just like a bank, we're really sophisticated at dealing with gifts and transacting them and getting the tax receipt out immediately, number one. Number two, we're sophisticated at administrating that money once it's in the system. And then what we wait for is the donors, you know, who have put this money into our system to make the recommendations for where we should send the money and what charity should benefit from it. Why do you say recommendation? Why is it a recommendation? It's not just a, like a direction, like that's a wonderful question. You're a <laughs> great listener. <laughs> okay, good. You must know your charity a little bit, Don. Let me let me explain. Whenever you make a donation to charity, and by the way, this is consistent between Canada and the United States. Okay, okay good. <laughs> and, and all major charity jurisdictions around the world. When you make your donation to a charity, you've disposed of that money. It's no longer yours at law. Okay. And so in a donor advised fund, you've made the donation into your account. It's no longer yours, but what the donor advised fund culture is, is to go back to the donor and say, Hey, how would you like to advise the fund? Hence the name. Hence the name donor advised fund. Yeah. Okay. Advising the fund. The reason it's not called a donor controlled fund or what some people refer to it as. Because you've already committed the the donation. I see. The donor directed fund is because it's really at law, it's a donor advised fund. And so what happens is the donor is is literally making a recommendation to the system governed by a board of directors that it's arm's length from to say, hey, I really want the money to go to my church or I really want the money to go to my alma mater, my my, my, my college. I really want the money to go to this local homeless shelter in, in my area. And so every donor advised fund will have its own style. At Charitable Impact, our style is to say, okay, is it a registered charity, number one? And is it still in good standing with the regulator, which is the IRS in, 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 in the US? And if the answers to those questions are yes, we send the money. Mm-hmm. Ah, so this definitely um, curbs any shady business or fraud. So I can't really put money in a donor advised fund and then send it to, you know, my husband, who's not even in court, you know, a, a nonprofit and, or doing any type of charitable work. So that's why there's the recommendation and there's some checks and balances and approvals. And then it goes where it, it needs to be to make the impact that it should make. Yeah. I mean, that, that's a, that's a, that's a good, that's a really actually important point. So first of all, no charities are allowed to spend money on non sort of qualified recipients, not allowed to give money to non-qualified recipients, and they're not allowed to spend money on on charitable activities that aren't sort of charitable at law. So that that rule governs all charities, by the way. You know, I think though it's it's a it's an important point to make that in a donor advised fund, the board of directors is arm's length from the donors by definition, right? Mm-hmm. So so like 
you know, you to get the donor advice fund to do something, you know, shady, uh, you'd have to really work hard at getting the board on side. And, you know, that, that stuff, generally speaking, in my experience, just doesn't happen. Yeah. So, so as a result, you know, the donors have this ability to recommend charities, knowing that there's people arm's length from them who are going to kind of vet it to say, okay, that's a qualified recipient. So, to your listeners, the one thing then to pay attention to if you are looking at a donor advised fund, you know, is what the culture of the donor advised fund is. Because if the culture of the donor advised fund is, we know what charities are best, you don't, then you might recommend a charity and they don't want to send the money there. Other donor advised funds like Charitable Impact choose to just be neutral, you know, and say, look, if it's a registered charity and we're allowed to send the money there, we will. Right. Got so. It. So that's an important point to, to look at when you're when you're assessing. I'm learning. It. I'm catching on. I'm catching on. Can we flip the tables a little and now talk about this from the from the perspective of the nonprofit? What should the nonprofit be thinking, doing, messaging to their networks, to their donor base, to their supporters about donor advised funds? Is it something that you just kind of sit back and say, Oh, hey, yeah, donor, you have it. Like, use us, send your donation, you know, use that money to us. Or is is there a little bit more involvement, a little bit more integration, a little bit more proactiveness, if that's a word that that nonprofits could take um, in this position? That's it's really important to flip the tables. Thanks for doing that, uh, especially on a show like this. Um, <laughs> so so let's let's talk about it. And first, let's talk about what nonprofits, you know, can be worried about with donor advised funds. Okay. And okay. Let's, let's address some of those concerns. So, so the concern that a nonprofit can have is like, Hey, you know, gee, you're getting in the middle of me and my donor. Right. Oh, like, I didn't think that now many, many of our audience know already. And if, if they don't, I'll share that I do run a nonprofit with my daughter outside of, of, this in one cause. And so that didn't come to my mind that I would have would think of that, but I want to hear what you have to say. Sorry. Well, no, th- thanks for saying that. I mean, the United States is a more progressed um, charitable environment than Canada, generally speaking. Okay. And the more Go. progressive, <laughs> yeah, congratulations. Well, that's my opinion. M- one of the things that more progressive environments do is they're they're used to more progress and change. And as a result, they kind of look at something like the donor advised fund. They go, that's actually not necessarily, you know, a bad thing. Let me speak about how it can be bad. And then how I think it should be looked at. And I'm also going to offer a little bit of a criticism for, for donor advised funds where they need to get better in the future. Okay. So first of all, if a donor is just making donations in a donor advised fund, taking their tax receipt, and then that money's just sitting there and not going out the door, we should all be critical of that, right? The purpose of charitable giving isn't just to get a tax receipt. In fact, the purpose of charitable giving is to create a uh, change on, a, on the ground for something that's charitable at law. And in return for doing that, you get a tax receipt. Okay. That's actually how it works. Mm-hmm. So if a criticism of donor advised funds and private foundations and private foundations is 
gee, donors just give money there, take their tax receipt, and then they sit on the money and their investment managers manage it and everyone makes fees, but you know, no dolphins. The charity safe, never no sees it. Uh, the, the operating charities never see it. So this not is buying into hoarding. that one. Okay. Well, this is a this is what this is referred to as the hoarding problem. Uh-huh. It's a bigger deal in the United States than it is in Canada because of what we mentioned at the top of the show with regard to disbursement quota. But now we're getting back in the weeds. But look, let's just call that out as an important things. If donor advice funds just take money and don't flow the money out the door, that's a bad thing. Okay. Now the history of donor advised funds and, 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 you know, shows that donor advised funds, generally speaking, flow way more money out the door than people sort of expect. Right. But the people who are critical, it's, you're, you're never going to, you're never going to make them. Yeah. But I got to play devil's advocate to that concern because in my mind, as a nonprofit, I'm now speaking to a donor base that have the funds already segregated, ready for donate, donate, donating. So if I'm speaking to this group on the right that doesn't have a donor advised fund, I've got to, I have a lot more work to do because I've got to get them to figure out the fund. I, I have more work to do. Here, the funds are already available. I've just got to get them to be aligned to the mission. So I don't know if I'm buying all those listeners out well, there. I don't know that I'm buying into that concern so much. And I'm a nonprofit, so I can say John, that. It's not your first rodeo. I can tell <laughs> I love the fluency and you beat me to the punch. So good for you. So that's, that's the way we want to encourage people yeah. who have that concern to think, okay, in a donor advice fund, uh, you're necessarily dealing with a donor who has money that they have to give away. Yeah. Right. They can't, you can't put money in a donor advice fund, take your tax seat and then put it back in your own pocket to spend on licorice or Ferrari. How long do you have to spend it? Is there a time frame on it? Well, the disbursement quota regulates that. Got it. Got it. Got it. Okay. 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 Yeah. So, so, okay. But so in the answer in the United States is closer to no, the answer in Canada, the answer is closer to yes. But again, getting into the weeds. So, so, so you're necessarily dealing with a donor base who has money that they have to give away. Whereas when you're dealing in a fundraising environment where someone's not using a donor advised funds, you're actually convincing them to do two things instead of one. The first thing you're convincing them to do is part with their money. The second thing you're convincing them to do is to allocate that money to your charity. Now, the fundraising world doesn't talk about that very much, but that's the reality. There are two decisions that every donor is always making when they give directly to a charity. Number one, to part with the money. Number two, to allocate it to that charity. In a donor advised fund, you're only dealing with number two. I would argue that there's three things. One, mm-hmm. you have to help them budget the money, right? It's it, it, They have to find that money. They have to find the money first, you know, then go to step two and three. But okay, fine. Sure. So, so I'm with sure. you. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So here's the criticism that I have of donor advised funds. Uh oh. And, and, well, and you can well, say this because this is your world. Hey, I'm and 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 I'm critical of charitable impact on this too, even though we're much further progressed than all other donor advised funds in Canada on this issue. Donor advised funds don't make it easy enough for donors to build and develop a relationship with charities through the donor advised fund. Okay, that's fair. Right. So, so one of the advantages, let's just point out one advantage of the donor advice fund is that because you, is you can be a totally anonymous donor if you want to be right now, that's another place that 
fundraisers have to get their head around. It is possible to get money from a donor advised fund, not knowing what exact donor it came from. But for example, at Charitable Impact, how do we deal with that? First of all, we let donors be anonymous, but then we also let the charity, you know, send them a message and say, hey, thanks a lot for, for the money. This is what we're going to spend it on. And if over time that develops the relationship a little bit, and then eventually the donor shares their name, great, right? So what we do believe at Charitable Impact is that stewardship, uh, uh, donor relationship building is important, right? And so we allow, and we're developing more and more tools all the time for charities to come in and have communications with and develop their donors inside the donor advised fund because Mm -hmm. a donor relationship is a donor relationship where that donor pulls the money from in order to give to the charity is far less important. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, I don't know that that should curb nonprofits either because we participate in all sorts of fundraising where sometimes we don't know the donors. There's that social outlet that I won't mention name, but you know, you can, there can be a a fundraiser going on that you don't even know about and a check that you're getting six months later, and it does not have your donor, you, you know, your donations listed by any type of breakout that you can even begin to have a relationship. So I appreciate John, that you recognize how important that is and that you know, you're on top of it and hopefully setting the standard or that gold excellence for um, organizations like yourself to 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 bring that engagement in, because, yeah, it's important for nonprofits to be connected to their to their donors and to have that kind of relationship. But sounds like you're you're much further ahead than social media. So there you go. So at the end of the day, Don, you're totally you're totally on it. And, and, and this is a great conversation. So at the end of the day, Here's here's ultimately what I think. I want to know. Okay. Uh, well, our brand promise at Charitable Impact is your giving your way, our support. Okay. Yeah. And I believe that regardless of whether you use Charitable Impact or not, it's my hypothesis based on a lot of experience that donor advice. Two generations of experience. <laughs> two generations of experience can help overcome a lot of the problems that donors have, which lead to them participating less in charitable giving. Okay. Um, Let me use sales language for this. Donor advised funds help overcome a lot of objections to charitable giving. Things like, oh man, uh, gee, charities, they're not really effective. Oh, really? All, All charities aren't effective? Oh, no, probably not all charities are, are in effect, but some of them are. Okay, well, so it's not a reason to stop donating. It's a reason to be more thoughtful about your research. Intentional. Mm-hmm. Choose, right? So donor advice fund comes in, says, okay, you know, set the amount of money you're willing to give away into the donor advised fund, and you still got the time and space you want and need to make good decisions going forward, right? So now in a donor advice fund world, just to be a little harsh, if you're making giving money to bad charities, whose fault is it? Your fault or the charity's fault? You know, I don't like to blame people for anything, generally speaking, but we do want more accountability on donors for the decisions they make, right? If you go and you choose a bad restaurant is and you keep going back there, whose fault is that? There's other restaurants to choose from, okay? Um, things like, I don't have enough money to give away. Really? You this don't helps have- your budget, for sure. Yeah, look, 
there are some people who don't have enough money to give away, right? But there's a whole bunch of people who just bought a new car who don't have enough money to give away, right? Who just got back from Hawaii who don't have enough money to give away. So when you kind of approach these people and say, okay, well, look, really? Well, no, I got some, how much? Well, I could afford a hundred bucks a month. Great, thank you. Here you and then go. at the end of that month, at the end of that year, you have, if I can do math, you have 1200 bucks and you can do something really, really great with that. So if donor advised funds lead to increased access to and participation in and knowledge of charitable giving, then the whole economy, let alone the charitable economy, should be celebrating donor advised funds. Yeah. I get it. I believe donor advised funds will lead to greater access to participation in and knowledge of charitable giving. Yeah, I'm with you. All right. Well, I so appreciate you giving me the basics and explaining it and helping me get out of, you know, donor advised funds 101. But we've talked for half hour already and I still have questions. I think I'm going to have to have you back as a part two, because I'd really like to focus on the nonprofits place in their messaging? Does this go on their website? What does the language look like? How do they encourage it? Do they support it? Like, is it a very passive position that they should take or a little bit more proactive and and, an aggressive position? Um, Because I think that, um, you know, I know I'm going to hang up this phone and call my dad because he gives to the same exact charities year over year over year. He has a little bit more money than I do to part for charitable giving, but I don't know that it's intentional. I mean, he gets a little set of stickers every, I don't even know what these charities are. No disrespect. I'm not mentioning any names. They might be changing the world for all I know, but you know what? I don't know. And it sounds like my dad would be a perfect candidate for a donor advised fund. So I'm going to call him right after this, uh, this, this show, but can we have you back, John, so that we can talk a little bit more about the nonprofit side? Cause I, I think they need to know, they want to know. I'd love to come back. This has been a really fun conversation. Uh, you're, 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 you're really fun to talk to. So <laughs> you're fun to talk to do. Yeah. You really gave me a lot of education. Well, we're going to have to do that audience. Um, I know that you want to know more and certainly, you know, that you can reach out to me. I can get you access to John, but John, how can people just find you on LinkedIn, your website? I know we might have some, you know, differences between the United States and Canada, but we want to reach you anyway. Yeah. How do we find yeah. you? We're, we're friendly neighbors just up north. If you want to, you know, have a colder winter, come check out Canada. Hey, um, I honeymooned in Banff, Canada. So oh, beautiful. it's a cool place. Beautiful, beautiful, beautiful. Um, how do I'm we reach Twitter. you? I'm on Twitter. Uh, I'm on I'm on LinkedIn. You can find me there. You can find Charitable Impact at, there also at We Are Charitable. Um, and, you know, we've, we've got a website, charitableimpact.com. You know, check it out. You know, our, our message to people is that like, let me, let me tell you what we believe at Charitable Impact. Maybe I can end here. You know, everyone, everybody has something that they want to create change for in the world. And everybody has something to give towards that change, whether it's their time or their talent or their money. And the last thing we know is that when you give, you get something in return. And in that context, the more intentional and thoughtful people are about the giving they're giving, the more they get in return. They have more fun. They get engaged deeper than they, and they go on to create more change. Yeah. It's not just a transactional check or cash. And then I turn my back and I don't think about it anymore. It's It's a a lot more. 
Yeah. Charitable giving is a journey. It's actually, I consider it a lifestyle. A lifestyle. Yeah. It should be a lifestyle. Of course. I love that. All right, John, we're going to have to get you back. Um, Fearless fundraisers, that's about all we have time for today. Thank you for listening. We hope you enjoyed today's Race Nation topic and your daily dose of fundraising inspiration. Tune in for a new episode release every Thursday at 12.30 p.m. That's Thursdays, 12.30 p.m. Eastern time. But in the meantime, listen to all the episodes on Raise Nation Radio. Follow the channel that whatever your favorite is, you can follow that channel so that you can get all the notifications about our new guests, just like Mr. John Bromley. Fundraisers are doing amazing things to build better tomorrows for our communities. Stories are awe-inspiring. You won't want to miss a single episode. I would like to thank our sponsor, One Cause, for making this episode possible. One Cause is driving the future of fundraising with easy-to-use software solutions that help nonprofits connect with donors. Be sure to check it out at onecause.com and visit the resource tab on the homepage for a broad catalog of eBooks, blogs. Hopefully, John will get a blog with you going pretty soon and um, plenty of infographics and videos that you'll find helpful. A huge shout out and thanks to my guest, John Bromley, for sharing a very expert and authentic voice about donor advised funds. Thank you, John, so much for being with us. I truly enjoyed our conversation and the education. Any last words of inspiration? Everyone's a donor. Oh, bingo, mic drop. Okay, so lean into what you care about most. Everyone's a donor. Okay, if that's not inspiring, I don't know what is. Well, thank you again so much, John. Thank you, Don. Raise Nation Radio, that's a wrap. Until next time, I'm Don Lego. This is Raise Nation Radio. You stay fearless out there.